Hey, thank you, worship team. Let's get up for these guys. Thank y'all so much. So faithfully leading us in the presence of God every Sunday. So thankful for you guys. Well, good morning, church. How you doing? Doing good? You can smile at me if you're doing good. If you're not doing good, let me pray for you and give you a hug after the service. But so glad you guys are here. If I haven't met you, my name's Mitchell, and I'm a lead pastor here. I'd love to shake your hand, connect booth after the service. Thanks for being here this morning. And let me um, comment, if, if Tori, if you could put up the uh, World Mandate slide uh, just for a second here. Awesome testimony, Arden. Thanks so much for sharing. Uh, but here's some of the practicals, the dates, October 1st and 2nd, $35, only $35. And here's a couple other um, practical details for those that like the practical details. Who likes practical details? Yeah, you like that? Awesome. Who likes just really inspiring stories and vision? And we'll figure out the details later. Yeah. Okay. All right. Some of us are like that. Uh, um, but so we've got so this that's a Friday and a Saturday and we have been so blessed by another church in town called Key Point Church they have a campus in Springdale and they are opening up their venue and allowing us to have the conference there which is amazing and so we are going to have the conference there at Key Point it's right there on uh, pretty much Don Tyson and uh, what's that road Thompson slash college slash whatever else it's called all throughout Northwest Arkansas 71 um and we will, uh, the main sessions will be about three hours each. There's one on Friday night, the first, then Saturday morning, and then there's an optional session on the, in the afternoon, and then we're going to close it out with a big uh, main session, 6.30 to about 9.30 on Saturday night. And it's going to be extended times of worship, just being in the presence of God together. And our, our teams are going to be leading live worship, and we're going to have different teams come through. It's going to be a treat. Um, and then also we're going to stream in the messages that are coming from uh, the Antioch and Waco where this conference is happening. And we've got a couple guys, uh, Michael Miller's guy from, y, uh, from Upper Room in Dallas, he's going to share. A guy named Andy Bird from YWAM, he's going to be sharing. Jimmy Seibert, who's the founder of the Antioch movement, he's going to be sharing. And then there's a couple others that will be sharing some messages that will stir our heart for what God's doing around the world. So be there. It's going to be great. Only 35 bucks. See you October 1st and 2nd. Sound good? Look at somebody next to you. Say, I'll see you there. Give them a little knuckles, too. See you there. Come on. All right. Another quick announcement before we jump into the message. Um, we had a new, uh, new staff member jump on to the staff of Antioch Community Church this week. And that's Sarah Johnson. Sarah, why don't you come ahead and stand on up? Everybody wave. Just no, keep standing. Keep standing just a little bit. Everybody wave to Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Awesome. All right. You can sit down now. Uh, she is our new church administrator, and so she does lots of different things, but in short, she keeps our church organized and running smoothly, and so I just wanted you guys to see her face, She's, and you'll hear from her and see her off and on, so if you see her today, just give her a high five, say thanks for all that you're doing to make this church work. So, proud of you, Sarah. Thank you for you. Glad you're jumping on board. It's awesome. Give it up one more time for Sarah Johnson. She's awesome. Okay. Well, hey, let's jump right into the message here. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and pull that out and go to, go to Hebrews. Hebrews. I'm gonna, it's going to take a minute before I get there, but go ahead and turn to Hebrews if you've got a Bible. Who has been with us the last couple weeks in this series, Worthy is the Lamb? Raise your hand if you've been to any of these messages here. Okay. Do you guys agree that worthy is the Lamb? Anybody agree that the Lamb of God, Jesus, who took away our sins, he is worthy? Yes, me too. This passage from Revelation 4 talks to us about why he's worthy, Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. 
So we've been talking about how he is worthy primarily due to this verse here. He is worthy. Why? Because he created all things and by his will, we exist and we're created. So God could be like anything he wants to be like. He could be like anything. He's God. Everybody say he's God. He, he, he is God. He determined who, what he's like. He could be like anything and he would still be worthy of our worship because we are the creation. He's the creator. But we've also been looking at what is he like? He could be like anything, but what is he like? What are his attributes? What are his characteristics? And the more we discover about who he is, the more we say, worthy is a lamb. Worthy is a lamb. Worthy is a lamb. He is so good. He is so mighty. He is so amazing. And he is so worthy of our lives. And so what we've been doing is looking at these different attributes, discovering why he's worthy. And our main goal has been to, to get a renewed sense of awe of wonder, of amazement, in, in the simplicity of who God is. I would love for you guys to not walk out of here this morning wowed by a great message. Now, listen, some of you guys say great message after service. I appreciate that. Thank you. You don't have to stop saying that, but some of you guys feel obligated sometimes when you see me. Hey, thanks for sharing the word. I'm like, cool. You're welcome. But I want you not walking out of here being wowed by an amazing band that they do an incredible job, but I want us walking out of here amazed at God. He is so good. He is so faithful. He is so kind. He is so amazing. He's better than you currently think he is. <laughs> and I want us in awe of him. It literally describes the early church in Acts chapter 2, which is a passage we read a lot in Life Group. It literally describes them as they had this sense of awe of God. They were fellowshipping together. They were doing things like this, worshiping. They were studying the word of God. But they had this general this sense that stayed with them that they were in awe of a mighty God that they serve. And that's what I want for us through this series. Sound good? All right, so uh, the first week we talked about how he is holy. He's completely set apart, completely different. And in response to his holiness, we get stunned first. And then by his grace, we live a life of holiness. And then we talked about the, the following week about how he is humble. The Lord is humble. He was willing to go, and in fact, he stayed so low. He didn't rear up and hold on to his power and use it against people, but he was humble. And then last week, we talked about how he is a servant. He served everyone all the time, anywhere that he went. He was a servant. He, we read that story in John 13 where he washed the disciples' feet. And so this week, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about his faithfulness. How many of you guys believe that God is faithful? Yes? Amen. Hey, believe it or not, he is so faithful. And now this, this main point of this message is so complex and it's so difficult to understand that I put the whole main point of this message on a slide for you. Are you ready? Here it is. He is faithful and we can trust him. Can we please say that together? Ready? He is faithful and we can trust him. One more time. He is faithful and we can trust him. That right there is what I want you walking out of this room with. Not just in your mind, but I want you to feel it in your spirit this morning. Amen. He has been faithful. He is faithful now. He will be faithful forever, and we can totally, completely, fully trust him. So let me pray. I'm going to ask the Lord to reveal his faithfulness to us in a fresh way. I know many of us know he's faithful. We just were singing it, but I want us to walk in here with the depth of his faithfulness inside of us. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. You never change. In great days, bad days, in great seasons and hard seasons, you never change. You stay the same forever. And Lord, this morning, you are faithful. 
And I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes, just like Arden shared this morning. Would you give us fresh eyes to see, fresh ears to hear, a soft heart to receive, just a greater understanding and revelation of your faithfulness to us personally, your faithfulness to your word, your faithfulness to your church, your people all across the world. Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. Reveal that to us again this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, he's so faithful. I'll try to make it through this faithfulness talk about God without crying. We'll see. We'll see. It didn't work during worship. <laughs> that was a mess. That's so good. Okay, you ready? So here's how I'm going to start. You can pull out your phone and maybe take a picture of this for your own study later, but I put up a slide here of a whole bunch of scriptures about God's faithfulness, so feel free to take a little picture if you want, because I would love for you to think about this message I'm going to share. It'll be incomplete, but there's a lot in scripture about God's faithfulness. You can keep that up there, but here's a couple. That first one, Deuteronomy 7, 9, says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. That's a long time of faithfulness. Come on. And that middle one there, Lamentations 3, a lot of you guys know this. It's the one that says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new when? Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Then that last one, Revelation 19, 11, talking about the Lord's return. John says, then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. So from the beginning of the Bible to the end, the testimony about who God is, literally a name that describes Jesus as he's coming back is faithful and true. We serve a faithful, faithful God. You guys believe that? So let's talk about, let's define this word for a little bit, faithful. Okay, I've got a little bit of Hebrew and Greek for you. I think there'll be a slide up here. So in the Hebrew, the word for faithful is amen. It literally, I was listening to how you pronounce this. And it's like, amen. But this is a good amen right here, okay? Um, it's to support, to uphold, confirm, sure, lasting, to be stood upon. In the Greek, which is the New Testament, there's a word. I don't know how to pronounce it, this one, but I'll try. Pistos. Pistos. Anybody think they know how to pronounce that? Yeah. 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 One of those. It means to be relied on or worthy of our trust. So what does him being, look at this, this is amazing. What does this mean for him to be faithful? What are, what are other ways to say it? Him being faithful means he is worthy of our trust. He never, ever fails. Whew, isn't that great news? You serve a God that never fails. He is our sure foundation. He always comes through every single time. He always provides he never leads us astray. He never lies to us. All of his promises are yes and amen, and they will all come to pass. Every single word that he says is true. He is faithful. He's so faithful, and we can trust him. Now, what is his faithfulness? What does this imply for us? Okay, here's a couple things that it implies for us. We're going to be okay. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to be okay. God's faithfulness means we're going to be all right. We serve a faithful, unshaking, unchanging God. We are going to be okay. He will not fail us. He will not fail you. He, we can trust him. Also, because he's so faithful and because he's so trustworthy, we can be at peace and at rest in our souls. We can have a sense of security, a sense of confidence in our God. He's our sure foundation. You just think of that analogy of a foundation of a house. You're stepping on something. You want to make sure that foundation is strong. God is our foundation. He could not be stronger. He could not be more faithful. We can have hope and we can rejoice because our God is faithful. 
I want you to put up that main point slide one more time. Let's say it again together. You guys ready? He is faithful, and we can trust him. Now, here's this. I'm going to give you a scripture from Hebrews 10. If you're there, you can uh, find this with me, or it might be on the, it'll be on the screen. Hebrews 10, verse 23. This is going to be the scripture that we're going to pretty much be working with throughout the rest of this message. And I want you to see a couple things about Hebrews 10, 23. It's about his faithfulness. But So hold on tight. Here we go. It says, let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let's talk about that first part for a little bit, and let me give you a little bit of context, okay? So he's talking about holding fast this confession of our hope without wavering. And so the context of Hebrews 10, we're going to read another portion later, but it's pretty much, it's talking about the gospel. Now, it really, it's a, it's a one package deal, but I'm going to break it down into two because usually that's what we do, and it'll help, I think, all of us understand. But what he's talking about is God is we're holding on to this hope that our sins are forgiven through Jesus. Through his death and through his resurrection, that yes, that is a hope that is worth holding on to. And also, the hope that he is coming back again. Now, we separate those, but do you know that without both of them, there's no gospel. <laughs> the gospel includes the perf- who Jesus is as God in flesh, his perfection, his death, his resurrection, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and his soon return. That's the gospel. Does that make sense? The gospel is not just, I'm forgiven of my sin. The gospel includes God's faithfulness to his promises that he is going to come again and restore all things. Let's think about this for a second. If he only forgave us of our sin, that's, that's the gospel, then there's a lot of missing points to what he said would happen in his restoration of all things. So the return of Jesus is part of the gospel that we hold on tightly to without wavering. And here's why we can hold so tightly to it. Are you ready? It's not because we can defend it so clearly. It's not because we have discovered the most elite moral system. It is not because we have so much evidence It's not primarily because we have been transformed by the gospel message. You know why we can hold so tightly to it? Because he who promised is faithful. It's because the one who started this whole thing, the one who promised this whole thing, he did it. And because he's the one that promised that we can be forgiven of our sin through Jesus, that's why we can hold so tightly to it. Is this making sense? It's this redirection of how much we can convince ourselves something is true directing it to, oh, I don't need to do that because God is true. It's a scripture in the New Testament that says, let, let every man be a, be a liar and let God be true. He's faithful. He's true. Now, one of the ways, keep this up there just for a little bit, one of the ways that I've seen through scripture, through life experience, that God shows himself to be faithful, one of the primary ways he shows himself to be faithful is by keeping his promises. He keeps his promises. And so what we're going to do for the rest of our time is we're going to look at three simple but powerful promises in Scripture, and we're going to talk about how God is faithful to those things. We're going to talk about, wow, this is an amazing promise. He's going to be faithful to it. Then we're going to talk about our response to that promise. All right, you ready? So we got a list of some of his promises, and then in just a minute, I'm going to show you kind of our responses. I think there's a slide for this. So here we go. Promise number one that we're going to talk about is he is always with us. Promise number two is that he will strengthen those who wait for him. It's great news. And promise number three, with an exclamation point, of course, had to add that he is coming back again. 
Now, each of these has a specific response that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Look at that first one. So it's because he promised he's always with us, what's our response? It might appear in just a second, maybe. Oh, no worries. Take your time. Great. It means that we can constantly abide in him. Because he promised that he will strengthen those to, that wait for him, what's our response? We patiently wait for him. And because he promised he's coming back again, we eagerly expect his return. Let's look at this first one. I'm gonna, you can keep that up off and on as I go through this. Um, but let's talk about that first one. He promised that he is always with us. Now, listen, if you guys want to be encouraged one day, just Google search Bible passages where God says, I am with you. And just read them all. I did that this past week, and I was like, wow, he said this a lot. I am with you. Fear not. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I'm with you always. I'm with you to end the age. I'm like, yes, you are with me. Matthew 28, verse 20, the very end of uh, the book of Matthew, he says, I will be with you always even to the end of the age. How often will he be with us? Always, always, always. So therefore, when is there a time that he is not with us? What about if I'm having a real bad day? What if I've done something really wrong? What if I don't feel him? What if I'm grumpy? You know, have you ever, <laughs> the point is, he's with us, even in those times. He's with us on great days, bad days, great seasons, hard seasons. He is with us, and he's faithful. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever made a list of all the bad things that have just been happening to you lately? Yeah, I would not advise that, but I did that the other day, and um, here was my conclusion. Here's my conclusion. I was literally just thinking about the last couple years of moving up here and, and starting this church and just thinking about the things that just did not go as we had thought they were going to go, whether it was personal tragedy or my leg got totally messed up or just COVID, didn't expect that, or political tension or all sorts of things and accusation and division and opinions on opinions on opinions. I, you know, I didn't expect all this stuff and I was writing it all down, but guess what? God never even came this close to being unfaithful to this promise that he was with me. Every time I had a hard day, he was with me. Every time we went through something difficult, he was with me. He was faithful to this promise of always being with me. He doesn't even get close to being unfaithful. Even when I felt him most distant, he was there with me, comforting me, healing me, helping me. I specifically just want to emphasize um, when we don't feel him because in our uh, culture, in our generation, we do elevate feelings. And I want to comment that feelings are not um, a waste. They're not unimportant. They are valuable, but they just are not the main thing. We don't consider God faithful or consider this true because I feel that it is true. I don't believe God's with me because I feel he's with me. I believe he's with me because he said he's with me. Our confidence is not just in our feelings. Our confidence is in the truth of who God is. He is still with us. Whether we believe it or not, he is faithful and we can trust him. So this promise of him being always with us, let me, let me uh, suggest a response. Okay, Because he's always with us, how do I respond? We constantly abide in him. Here's what John uh, 15 says. 4 and 5, Jesus, this is Jesus talking, says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, the word abide means literally to remain or to stay connected to. Now, our response to this faithful promise of him always being with us is for us to abide or to remain or stay connected to his constant presence. Let me say it a different way. Not just to be aware mentally, but to engage in the truth that he's always with me. To engage with him. So here's a way that I want to phrase it. And it's kind of a story from a couple days ago. I went on this bike ride seven miles, which for me was a long time. Okay, I don't ride my bike very much. (laughs) uh, But I did not crash, praise God. And um, some of you are like, I do like 20 a day, dude. Anyways, um, I was just... It was, it was a time of just personal refreshment. I had to take a, look, a Sabbath day on Fridays, and I went on a little bike ride and was just enjoying the presence of God, talking to him, and like he's right there with me. And um, at one point, you know, sometimes some of these bikers, they got these really slick bikes. They're just silent. You don't even hear them. Okay, mine is a little squeaky. And, uh, <laughs> and like I'm talking to the Lord, I'm engaged with the Lord, and just like a few seconds later, this guy just passes me, and he's hilarious face. He just kind of stares at me and smiles. And it's kept going. I'm like, oh, that guy just heard me talking to, my, talking to myself. He thinks I'm crazy. But I was talking to the Lord. So here, here is how I want to present it to you. All of you should just look crazy this week because you believe that the God that you serve is always with you. And I want to encourage you to engage with him. Just little whispers. Thank you, Lord. You're with me. I mean, literally, I was just on my bike. And I, you know, I've been doing this for a few years. And so, like, it's normal for me to converse with him. And I do it out loud. And I just, I'm like, Lord, how's it going? What do you want to talk about today? How's, how am I doing? How are you doing? You know, just, Lord, what, I want to fellowship with you. I want to engage with you. You're with me. So I want to, I want to, I want to like engage my heart in conversation with you because you're always with me. And this is part of abiding in him. This is not a pressure that you have to pray all day. It's just an awareness that he's with you. It's an awareness that he's with you always. I heard recently that one of the primary antidotes that the Lord has given us to overcoming anxiety and stress and worry is direct connection and fellowship with the Lord. And it's not to say that other things don't help. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like, man, when I feel anxious, when I feel stressed, when I feel worried, I, wanna, I have direct access to the Lord. It's like, God, why do I feel anxious? Like, why do I feel this way, Lord? I give you this. Anything you want to say to me? Anything you want to speak to me? Anything you want to remind me of? And I was thinking about this, and I I, I just, I want to ask a question that is simple, but like, what do we have more direct access to? God's presence or our feet? Like, like when I'm feeling stressed, what what do I do sometimes? I just want to encourage us that we actually have greater and more quick access to the presence of Almighty God through the finished work of the cross, and that will help us overcome some struggles that some of us might be feeling quicker than our feed. Does that make sense? Great. Feed? Did I say the right word? I don't really do feeds. <laughs> Bear with me. And again, this is not a, a, a thing that you should feel condemnation. It's just like an invitation from the Lord of like, hey, he, he, cares. he knows. He knows what you feel. He knows our struggles. He knows. He cares. And like, Going to him first is a way that, man, we can overcome some of these things, these pressures that we feel. And what's so cool is that even within 
this promise, there's another promise within this response. There's another promise where he says that if we abide in him, we bear, he promised that we will bear good fruit in our life. Which how many of us want good fruit in our life? Yeah? Me too. Okay, let's look at this second one here. The second promise that the Lord will be faithful to. He says, he will, uh, he will strengthen those who wait for him. This is from Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Okay, it's, uh, it's kind of a long passage, but stick with me here. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isn't that an encouraging passage? How many of you guys have read that before, seen that before? So here's, here's something I want to emphasize with this passage. You can keep this, last, this part up. Most of us know this verse 31, this last part. Those who wait in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. And, and a lot of times we will emphasize this part. It's okay, okay, okay. I want that strength. I don't want to be weary. I want to keep going. Okay, so Lord, I'm, I'm one that waits on you, God. I'm, I'm going to wait on you. Help me wait on you, God. I am going to do a great job waiting on you, God. Be impressed with my waiting, God. Hold on. This is not where this started. Can you go back to the first couple of verses? This is, it didn't start with that. It's like, don't you know? God is mighty. He's everlasting. He's the creator. He never gets tired. He never gets weary. He, he is so glorious. He's powerful. He gives strength. Woo! Listen, the reason this is so encouraging is because the one we're waiting on. Not because of how impressive and how great we can do at waiting. You're waiting on him. Woo! Helps me wait when I know who I'm waiting on. <laughs> okay, have you ever waited on somebody? Like when you're driving, when you're going through a drive-thru, your microwave. Okay, I literally yesterday I was taking Arabella to a t-ball game. And, you know, there's a couple roundabouts on Don Tyson. You know, some of those. Okay, so I see this car rounding right when I'm kind of coming at the same time to turn right. And it was going awfully slow. And I thought for sure they were going to turn. But nope, they just kept on going real slow right there. And so I had to wait and get behind them. <laughs> and I like, I, I was not mad, I promise. I promise, I wasn't mad. I was just, I pulled up next to them. I was utterly surprised. I was like, I mean, they're very old. But you're, you're going very slow. <laughs> I was just surprised at how slow they were going. And they were okay. They looked like they were having a good time, but they were old. And, and anyways, they were very slow. But I want you to think about something. When we are waiting on God, he is not, you know, whatever subject of our impatience is in normal life. That's not him. He is almighty God that can do anything, that literally spoke the world into existence, and whatever you're waiting on him for, which I know many of us might be waiting on something, and I don't want to belittle that, but I just want you, I just want you to remember, like, who you're waiting on. Mighty God, who can do it. He can do it. He can do it. And he's faithful. Now, I, <laughs> I asked you this question a second ago, but here's, here's a helpful insight and revelation that I had this week as I was preparing for this. I was like, I know I was going to talk about this promise of him strengthening those that wait for him. 
and I started thinking about what are the things I've waited on in my life, okay? And I started writing on a couple things, and here's what I realized. I haven't really waited for much. Okay, I'm 33, so I don't know what that puts me in the generations. I think like a younger, maybe older millennial, I don't know. And I was like, what have I waited on? And I started listening on a couple things, and I was like, most things I've waited on only took a couple weeks or months. <laughs> we live in a generation where we get things very quickly. I mean, I was thinking about, okay, we like raised financial support a few times, but both times that only took a couple months. Okay, my leg that many of you know back in February, I hurt it very bad. Um, it's been, I think, seven, over seven months now. And like I had to wait in a sense, but like I ran a mile today. Praise God. But, you know, like the waiting process, I, I could have waited for years for a recovery, but I've waited just a few months. Now, there's a couple things that like maybe would be in the years category but I think of those who really waited. I think of maybe some of you in this room, you've really, you've really waited for quite a few years. I think of Abraham in the Bible who waited 25 years for a promise to be fulfilled for his son. I think of Jacob in the Bible who waited 14 years for uh, a wife. I think of the people of Israel who waited in Egypt for 400 years while they're in slavery. And then right after that, spent 40 years in the wilderness waiting for the promised land. I think of, I think of Jesus. And I think of thousands, the, the years that he has waited, particularly for his return, but let me just hone it in a little bit, for, for the people of Israel to, to turn and say that he's the Messiah. He has waited a long time. And if you are waiting, he is faithful and he will strengthen you. We can trust him. Now, what do you do while you're waiting? Listen. I've got amazing news. Some of you are going to love this. Some of you are going to hate this. But I found the answer. This week when I was preparing, I found the answer to what do you do when you're waiting for a breakthrough. Would you, like, it is the key that unlocks breakthrough for whatever you're waiting on. Are you ready? Are you sure? Wait longer. I told you. Some of you are going to love it. Some of you are going to hate it. If you want breakthrough for what you're waiting for, just wait longer. Now, while you're waiting, be faithful to Jesus. Love him. Love the person in front of you. Be faithful to the things that he directed us to do. Yes, 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 amen. But sometimes the answer is just wait longer. And here's, here's why that is so powerful. It's one, the one we're waiting on, but it's literally like it's not complicated. Maybe it's just not time yet. And this is not encouraging, maybe, to those. Beth, in a little bit at the end of this message, she's going to share a more encouraging word that she felt like the Lord was giving her about those of you that are waiting. But some of you maybe need to hear that today. The answer is not fast more, pray more, be more, do more. It's wait longer. And it, uh, this is something I've been, the Lord's been doing to me. We, for the last, uh, it's been about a month and a half, we've kind of, as a staff, have been, uh, have not had an office space, which I really appreciate having an office space, having consistency, it just helps with productivity and all that stuff. So we've been kind of nomads, like we get here on Sundays, but then throughout the week when we're meeting and gathering and praying, we just kind of go all over Northwest Arkansas. Uh, it's great. You might find us at the nearest coffee shop near you. Anyways. <laughs> And I had a breakthrough moment a couple weeks. I was like, you know, we're praying. We're believing. God, come on. Today is the day. Lord, we're going to open a door. Favor. Yes, come on, God. 
And it's, I'm not belittling the fact that we prayed. The Lord heard every single one of our prayers, but I had a breakthrough moment the other day where I felt like he was encouraging me. I'm like, hey, here's the answer. Just wait longer. I will give you this when, when it's time. And it helped me take the pressure off myself. Chill out a little bit. So we wait, and we trust his faithfulness, and he will be faithful to strengthen us. And here's the deal. If we, you're willing to wait just a little bit longer, and sometimes it's a lot longer, if we're faithful to do that, willing to do that, and don't quit, the Lord will give breakthrough. Here's another cool promise from Galatians 6, 9. He says, let's not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The victory, the victory is in your endurance. The victory is in us waiting a little bit longer sometimes. All right, let's look at this last promise, at least the last promise of today, and that is this, this glorious reality that Jesus is coming back again. Jesus is coming back again. Does that excite anybody else besides me? He's coming back again. There's lots of, um, through the Old Testament, through all of the Gospels, through most of the epistles in the New Testament, to the book of Revelation, there's many, many promises of the Lord is going to come back. That when he died and when he rose again and ascended the Father, that was not the end of the story. And literally right when he did that, Acts 1, where it says, he, what, he said, the, this angel showed up and he said, hey, in the same way, Jesus is going to return. He's going to come back again. Here's another example of this promise from the mouth of Jesus. Luke 21. It says, And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Oh, this is a glorious reality. And as I think about the Lord's return, my prayer is, God, just make this more real to me on a daily basis. Make this more of a desire of mine on a daily basis. Like, I want to encourage us as part, again, of our relationship with God, of, of the gospel. Like, what if we made his return part of our daily walk with God? Just thanking him, Lord, you, you forgave me of my sin. Thank you. You gave me power by the Holy Spirit, and thank you that you're going to come again. You know, one of the things in the last several, probably the last year or so, that one of the conversations with God that has brought a lot of peace, and uh, sometimes I say it's made me a little weepy. Just when I start talking to him about it, I start tearing up a little bit, just, it's, it's his return. I start talking to Jesus. I see you promised that you would come. You have not come yet. You said this a couple thousand years ago, but Lord, you said you're going to come. Are you going to be faithful? You know what the answer to that question is? Yes. <laughs> He's going to be faithful. He's going to come. If not, he's a liar. And this Jesus that has saved me and saved you is not a liar. He's faithful to the end. When he's coming on that white horse I read earlier, literally, like one of his names, faithful and true. Every eye will see him. Every knee will bow before him. He is faithful and he is true. But look at this. Okay, what do we do? This glorious promise. 
Get from Luke 21, verse 28, says, hey, what do we do? Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up. Everybody say, straighten up. <laughs> okay, let me just comment on a couple things. So straighten up. Okay, what could, what could that mean? Okay, it, it's like, um, you know, if you're hunched over, you, know, you want to straighten up. Okay, you want to like, like get moving again. Okay, you need to, you need to like get out of whatever uh, struggle you're in, get out of whatever hump you're in, get out of whatever, whatever you're in, straighten up. Because we need, we need to move forward, okay? And then he says, what else? I love this. <laughs> Bear with me. You know, when you're on a computer scrolling through all the latest news feeds, you're kind of hunched over. I feel like the Lord says, straighten up. It's not where I want you to look. I want you to look at me. <laughs> that was free. <laughs> straighten up. Raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Titus, like literally, guys, this is our hope. This is our, Titus calls it our blessed hope. His return is our blessed hope. And it's essential to our faith. And so I wanna ask this question, where is our faith leading us? Where are we going? Where is your faith in Jesus leading you? Is it leading you to just the fulfillment of your dreams? Is it leading you just to your career path? Is it leading you just to a great retirement? Is it leading you to your next vacation? What is it ultimately leading to? And all those things I just listed, they're not bad. Retirement's great. Vacations are awesome. <laughs> but what is it leading us to? Not that. To his faithfulness and his return. This is where your faith is taking you. Whether you know it or not, is that he's going to split the sky. He's going to be faithful. He's going to come back again for you and for me and for his bride. And I want us to turn our attention him. Now, again, like I said, I, I would love to encourage you to make this one of your conversations that you have with him of just, Lord, like, come, come again, come quickly. Thank you that you're going to be faithful to this promise. Come. And the reason we want him to come is because he's going to restore the earth. He's going to rescue us. He's going to redeem us. Okay. All the injustices and the evil that we see all over the world, all the sickness, all the pain, he will rid the earth of that. I want that to happen. And the way it's going to come is through his faithfulness to his return. Now, we eagerly, we expect, we wait, we hope. But let me read you two little bit longer passages that talk about another way that we respond to this truth and this promise that he's going to be faithful to, that he's coming back. This is from 1 Peter 3 in Hebrews chapter 10. The band, go ahead and come on up. Actually, this is 2 Peter. Sorry, 2 Peter 3. And I want you to think about this amazing promise that Jesus is going to be faithful to, that he's coming again. And I want you just to... Straighten up. I want you to lift your head. I want you to just to pay attention here because I think some of this stuff will be really, really helpful for us, especially as you consider what just things that have been happening in our world the last couple of years. So 2 Peter chapter 3, it's going to be a longer portion, but we'll do verse 1 through 14. Okay, here we go. You guys ready? Ready? It's good. This is, this is helpful to how do we respond to this promise the Lord's coming again. It says, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers or mockers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Don't miss that. It's a prophecy in scripture 
that as days get closer to the Lord's return, there will be many that come with a scoffing and mocking spirit, making fun of those that are waiting for the Lord's return. Verse five, for they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water and by the word of God. That by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But the same word, but by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse eight. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, as a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Let me pause there. Oh, this shows God's heart. I was talking to God about this a few months ago. Like, Lord, it's been so long since you promised that you would come, come again. And I thought the Lord reminded me, like, if he would have come by now, like, I only got saved, like, 15 years ago. If he would have come before that, I would have missed my chance. So what happened was I was thinking about this verse as well. I was like, he hasn't come yet because he's given more, more people display of his mercy. It's a display of his love. It's a display of his kindness. So so I want us, bear with me here, I'm going to connect this to how we treat others. There are plenty of people all over the world that hate God. There's plenty of people all over the world that do not know him. And I don't think it's our responsibility to judge and be angry and yell and divide all the time. But with the heart of the Lord of compassion, I'm like, man, I want to love you so much that maybe you would have a chance to participate in the mercy and the compassion and the patience of the Lord and be saved. Let's keep going. The day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness? godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt, and will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and do you see this picture that he's painting this glorious promise God's faithful yes there's going to be people that mock and scoff but he's coming again he is faithful he's giving people time to repent and then it takes a turn don't miss that last verse he's like what does this mean then for us as we're waiting be diligent to be to be found by him without spot or blemish and to be at peace focus. It's not everybody else needs to get right. You're all wrong. It's, let me just make sure I'm being faithful to be pure before the Lord and be at peace with God and peace with others. Let me read one more. I'm going to go back to kind of the beginning of where this all started, Hebrews chapter 10. And then I'm going to have Beth come up and share and respond to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. I'm gonna skip down to verse 35. It says, therefore do not throw away your confidence which has great reward. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, coming one will come and will not delay. Somebody say amen to that. In a little while, and the coming one will come and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But, look at this cool thing, verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. God's faithful to his promise. He will come again. We're not those that shrink back, but we're those that have confidence in his faithfulness, in his promise. He is faithful. We can trust him. Let's say that again together. Say, he is faithful. We can trust him. I'm going to invite Beth up here. She wants to um, share a word real quick and um, pray over us as a church. And then we're going to respond together, worship, and pray for one another. Okay, so a little bit ago, I was just praying and worshiping and talking to God. And what has really honestly been my conversation with God a lot recently has been me just like bringing my discouragements to him and being like, God, like I thought that you spoke this thing, like God, this desire of my heart that I want, I'm not seeing it happen. And over and over again, I just feel like God is like, Beth, like I have you where you are for a reason. Like I just feel like he's like, Beth, I am faithful and you can trust me that I'm going to do what you, what I said that I'm going to do, but I actually have Actually doing something in your heart that you will need for when this thing comes to pass and I just felt like as I was like having this conversation with God that he was like that, that this word is not just like between you and me but it's actually like a word that he wants to